the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 11th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so very much for being with us. we got a packed show today. Very important stuff that we're going to be discussing. Starting with last night's uh, Senate debate, the first of just two debates that will be held between Republican J.D. Vance and Demon Rat uh, Tim Ryan. And um, it's interesting. I've got a lot of uh, very important analysis that I want to share with you in the first hour. If you're a Facebook friend of mine or even a Truth Social friend, you probably already heard it because I just I was going to type out. I was going to type out just an analysis. Hey, here's what I thought about the debate, like everybody is on on Facebook and on uh, social media doing. And um, I just realized I had so much to say. It would take me forever to sit there and type it, so I decided to take the easy way out, and I just recorded a little video. It's about 10, 11 minutes long. I just kind of wanted to um, explain what I thought about the debate, and I'm going to give you some of that today, some of that this morning in the very early going, uh, because it is, I think, the most important thing that we can talk about this morning. It was very, very illuminating. Uh, there were a lot of very good things that I saw about the debate last night, considering the perspective from which I am coming, and that is as a J.D. Vance supporter. 
Um, but there are some other things that I was troubled by a little bit, and I think there's a lot of work left to do in the last month here, or just about a month uh, before actual voting day on November 8th. And, of course, we know people can early vote. So that matters, too. The fact that people can early vote uh, is a big deal. And, um, you know, they may be going to vote after just what they saw last night. And I'm not sure if I'm happy with that. I still think anybody with a functioning cerebral cortex, if they watched last night, will go, if they're going to early vote, and vote for J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance won the debate because J.D. Vance is right on the issues. But I think a lot more work has to be done to lock that up to make sure that people with functioning cerebral cortexes understand exactly what it would mean for Tim Ryan to be in the United States Senate and why it's so crucial that we get J.D. Vance there. And so I think there's a lot of work to be done. So I've got some thoughts there. We're going to do that in the very open here. We are also going to be talking at 935 with our friend Jessica Franz. She is newly elected to the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee, and she is working very, very hard. Uh, on on a number of fronts, uh, quite frankly, um, to help the state, including pushing for today, and we talked yesterday with Lisa Woods about this, uh, today for more testimony to be offered in support of Brendan Shea's resolution before the Ohio School Board to reject the federal push for changes to Title IX that would cause all kinds of havoc for girls uh, and for children in general in uh, uh, in Ohio schools. It is just a terrible, terrible idea, and she is pushing very hard against that. She does great work on her substack. She covers a lot of ground, talking about poll working and poll watching, which is very important if we want to have a free and fair election. Um, talking about Brendan Shea, as I say, and the uh, uh, on the resolution. Issue 1 and Issue 2, the constitutional amendments that are on the 20, uh, 2022 ballot coming up here. So all of these things she's working very, very hard on, and we're going to share her conversation. We're going to have a conversation with her, rather, and she can share this information with you. Coming up at 9.35 at 10.10, 10, since it is a Tuesday, you know what that means. It's a Kersenow day. So we'll talk to Peter Kersenow, and then at 11.10, Pastor Chris Long, Ohio Christian Alliance, has got some really important announcements coming up about an event on Veterans Day in Washington, D.C. that he and others have been working toward for a very, very long time. And that is the addition of the D-Day prayer to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Pastor Long has been working on this for, for a few years now, and it's really kind of amazing how difficult the road was. It shouldn't be, in my opinion, but it was and is legislatively, financially. And, man, just the labor of love and the importance of this that he and others have uh, have endured here is is pretty remarkable. So there's something very, very cool to talk about with uh, Pastor Long coming up, coming up at 1110. So Jess Franz in a half an hour, a little less. Peter Kirsten out at 1010, Pastor Chris Long at 1110. You're going to have to find your way into the phone lines and onto the phone lines in between those conversations. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Now, without further ado, before we get started with our analysis of last night's debate, how about we uh, stand, patriots, face your flag. Go ahead and put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you don't have a flag nearby, that is okay. If you're driving, you don't have to stand either. But just join us in spirit, at least maybe put your hand on your heart. If you supported anything you heard from the demon rat Tim Ryan last night on Fox 8 in that debate, then that flag means nothing to you whatsoever. You are therefore exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. Instead, you may go ahead and take a knee. 
off to the side next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us, join us as we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 14 minutes after 9 o'clock. So last night uh, at the studios of Fox 8 in downtown Cleveland, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan got together and had their first debate. It was an hour long. It was moderated by a couple of Fox News uh, reporters. Um, the reporters or the uh, moderators themselves did not really make themselves the story, although I do think that they were just a little bit unfair in terms of time. I mean, I, I didn't have a stopwatch on it, but it just felt like Tim Ryan never got the bell, <laughs> and J.D. Vance did. It was. It may have been in my mind. I don't know. Maybe because you know, hearing hearing a liar lie like Tim Ryan lies, uh, you know, for for twenty seconds feels like an eternity. Hearing him lie for sixty seconds feels like five minutes. You know, it's just uh, it's just the way that it is. Either that or they really were giving him padded time. I don't know. I didn't have a stopwatch, and I don't know if anybody else did either. But it felt a little bit weird in that regard. But I have some thoughts and some and the, the moderators, like I said, generally speaking, I thought they were okay. I didn't think they were as biased and as blatant as a lot of debate commissions have been. I, I'm not going to sit here and just throw rocks at the moderators. But I want to give some thoughts on what happened last night. Overall, I don't think there's any question J.D. Vance won the debate because J.D. Vance uh, is right on the issues, and he was able to convey his opinions and his views and to withstand the assault and the lies. Give Tim Ryan credit, by the way, for being willing to lie in person and not just in TV ads. you got to give him credit for that. A lot of times liars will lie on TV ads knowing that they don't have to face the person they're telling lies about. Tim Ryan came into the studio and told those lies right there in front of J.D. Vance, so I give him credit for that. If you're going to be a liar, you might as, well be, might as well be a consistent one, and Tim Ryan was, so I give him that. But having said that, uh, J.D. Vance responded to most of the attacks, I think appropriately, I think effectively. And he had a few great lines, too, such as, you can tell that it's near Halloween, I'm paraphrasing, of course, because Tim Ryan is wearing a costume tonight. He's wearing a costume of the man that he wishes he really was. And that's, again, a paraphrase. Because if he really did do all of the things that he says that he wants to do or that he stands for, uh, he wouldn't be half bad. But the problem is 20 years in Washington, D.C. shows something very, very different. He is not that guy. He is he, That, that guy is an imposter. So I thought there were some really, really good lines there. But I did have... Some concerns, and I want to get your opinions on them, just like I'm going to ask Jess Franz for hers, among other things, and Peter Kersenow later on. And and to me, as I recorded on my video last night, um, J.D. left a lot of meat on the bone on a lot of those particular issues that I think he could have gone really, really a lot further on. And I'll give you just one example. Well, I'll give you a couple examples, but I'll give you one example now, and that is the issue of abortion. You knew that Ryan was going to come on and do what Ryan does and what Democrats do, and that is tell lie and lies and twist the abortion debate into something that it's not. What was Tim Ryan's overarching uh, arch- message for the entirety of the abortion questions? 
Rape and incest, rape and incest. How come he won't allow exceptions? He's an extremist. He's a radical. Rape and incest, rape and incest, rape and incest. He said it. I came in how many times? Then, of course, the you know the ten year old girl, the ten year old girl who was raped and impregnated, and 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 she had to go to another state because of Ohio's extreme radical laws that says she can't get an abortion. She should have to carry her rapist baby. Blah 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 blah. And. The one thing, let me give you what, what J.D. Vance said, which was effective in response to that story about the 10-year-old girl. Uh, but then we'll talk about what could have been done. As an exception. Look, I've always believed in reasonable exceptions. This is a misrepresentation of my view. But let, let, let's hear it from me, not from Congressman Ryan. Uh, I, I absolutely think the 10-year-old girl, the case that we've, of course, heard a lot about, an incredibly tragic situation. I mean, look, I've got a 9-year-old baby girl at home. I cannot imagine what's that, what that's like for the girl, for her family. God forbid something that, like that would happen. I have said repeatedly on the record that I think that that girl should be able to get an abortion if she and her family so choose to do so. But let's talk about that case. Because why was a 10-year-old girl raped in our community, raped in our state in the first place? The thing the media and Congress and Ryan, they talk about this all the time. The thing they never mentioned is that poor girl was raped by an illegal alien, somebody that should have never been in this state in the first place. You voted so many times against border wall funding, so many times for amnesty, Tim. If you had done your job, she would have never been raped in the first place. Do your job on border security. Don't lecture me about opinions I don't actually have. I thought that was a very effective answer. But you know what it was? It was an effective answer to the immigration issue, not to the abortion issue. I mean, it's right. He's right to point out that an illegal alien raped her, and that person shouldn't have been here. And yes, everybody who makes it easy for illegal aliens to get into this country bears some of the responsibility for that. But that's an immigration issue. The issue of the abortion, I think, was left unanswered, largely. And what J.D. needed to point out was less than 1% of abortions are performed on women who or girls who were impregnated because of rape or incest. Less than 1%. That's not what they're marching for in Washington, D.C. They're not marching for the exception rule. They're not marching at the Women's March for the exception rule. They're not, they're not um, on television and on Twitter screaming for the right to have uh, abortions at any time without apology because of the exception rule. They want to use abortion as birth control. They want to be able to sleep around indiscriminately, unprotected. Oh, I got knocked up. I'm going to have to go to the doctor in a week or two, and and the quote-unquote doctor, and get it taken care of. That's just what they do, and it's and sadly and 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 tragically and and traumatically, it's not even in a week or two. Oftentimes, it's in a few months. Yeah, I'm in my second trimester. The baby is fully formed. The baby has a central nervous system. The baby can feel pain. Don't really care tear it apart and get it out of me, because I decided I don't want to be a mom. So the issue here is that the left wants abortion on demand and without apology at any time of, of gestation, which is just horrific. It is just impossibly gruesome. It's, it's ghastly. It's ghoulish. And, and that needed to be pointed out. Not just focus on rape and exceptions. And as it pertains to the 10 year old girl, I've said this on the story before, or on the show before, and I'll say it again too. Of course it's tragic, and of course it's awful, and no one is in any way anything less than just completely compassionate and sympathetic and empathetic for her and her plight. 
But it is just too much that they have used her as a pawn. And he needed to say this too, in my opinion, that they've used her as a pawn, that they discovered she was pregnant one day after her, she, she, she became six weeks. One day after, which is, oh, uh, you know, in Ohio has a six-week abortion law. You can't have an abortion after six weeks. And, of course, that's not true. What Ohio has is a heartbeat law. And the heartbeat generally is heard at six weeks. But they said, oh, and she just found out. She missed it by one day now because of Ohio's extreme radical law. And this is the, the, the lie, the story that Tim Ryan told. Because of Ohio's extreme radical abortion laws, which J.D. Vance supports, she, she, you know, this 10-year-old girl, because she missed the, the, the cutoff by one day, would have to carry her rapist baby and be a mother at age 10. This was the story they told. And J.D. needed to, needed to point out, that is just garbage. The idea that they took her on literally one day after her sixth week of pregnancy, that they let her um, suffer in this way without finding out if she was impregnated by her rapist early on is just ludicrous. Why would anybody, no matter what the age, why would anybody who has suffered a rape wait until six weeks or later to find out if they're pregnant? And then say, oh, can't have an abortion here in this radical extreme state. Got to drive to Indiana for it, where they're a little bit more compassionate for 10-year-old rape victims. It's just garbage. If, and again, God forbid anybody that I know, and God forbid anybody that you know ever suffer and endure rape. But of course, we have to be realists. It is a violent, violent country with some very sick, sick people in it. But if you're raped, if a person is raped, I would think that, I don't know, day one, day two, day three, maybe day five, six, or seven after the rape, taking pregnancy tests, finding out, and the adults and the doctors and the caregivers and the therapists and the you know trauma specialists and everybody else help working with a rape victim, you would think that they would say, let's find out if your situation is even more complicated now while you're dealing with the trauma of the rape, also that you've been impregnated or not. One would think you would find that out before six weeks later. They told that story and made that story at the time, right as Roe versus Wade was being overturned. Uh, they made that story to use that 10-year-old girl as a pawn, and I think it's disgusting and it's reprehensible and it should be called out that way. And I think J.D. probably should have said something to that effect as well. They're using abortion as birth control, and they're trying to make it sound like, no, we're just compassionate for rape victims. That's hogwash. So I think there was a lot left there to be done and discussed. I've got more. I want to talk more about uh, some of the things Tim Ryan accused J.D. Vance of, that J.D. Vance deflected effectively, and I think other things that I think he could have done a little bit better. And then, of course, as I said, I want your thoughts on all of these things, too. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We're right back on Always Right Radio. So I need to hit one more point here that I think is very important from the debate last night, just in this uh, segment before the bottom of the hour news. Tim Ryan, uh, I think, scored points on J.D. Vance when he did this. Like just a few weeks ago in, in Youngstown, on the stage, uh, Donald Trump said to J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. He said that. That's bad. Because that means J.D. Vance is going to do whatever he wants. Mitch McConnell's given him $40 million. He's going to do what he wants. And Peter Thiel gave him a $15 million. He's going to do what he wants. And here's the thing that's most troubling about this lack of courage is that after Trump 
took J.D. Vance's dignity from him on the stage in Youngstown. J.D. Vance got back up on stage and said, start shaking his hand, take a picture, saying, hey, aren't we having a great time here tonight? Tim Ryan scored points with that. It made J.D. Vance look weak. It made him look like he was not able to stand up to Donald Trump. He's getting bullied by Donald Trump on his own stage at his own event, in which Donald Trump was in town doing a rally to support J.D. Vance. And then he could, and then Trump, and of course, and I have a big problem with Trump doing that. He put Vance in a very awkward position, saying all he does is sit over there and kiss my a. Uh, I think it was bad. Ryan then added a line and said, "We need an ass kicker in Washington, not an ass kisser." J.D.'s response to that, I think, was less than strong. J.D.'s response to that was, oh, yeah, well, you actually said that you have to suck up to Chuck Schumer, who might be your future boss. Really? That's the risk? No. J.D. needed it, and I think he needs to come stronger in response to this in the next debate or in speeches or in visits or whatever, because what J.D. needed to say there was, you know what? I've become friends with Donald Trump. Donald Trump endorsed me. Donald Trump supports me. And we see eye to eye on many things. And you know what he does? He's a ball buster. He busts the chops of his friends. Kill the music for just a minute. I'll get to the news in a second. He needed to say that President Trump likes to bust the chops of his friends. And I know what he meant. And he knows what he meant. And we we have banter like that because it's what Donald Trump does. And we're good friends and we're allies. Because we see eye to eye on how to handle the economy, which was phenomenal during the Trump years, on how to handle 0% inflation instead of creating 9.5% inflation, the way Biden and supporters like Tim Ryan have done. Trump and I know how to secure the border, and we agree on securing the border. President Trump and I agree on foreign policy. President, President Trump and I agree on the military. President Trump and I are, are in lockstep with America first. And because of that, we're friends. And because we're friends, we can bust each other's chops like that. And that's what he did. I will apologize not for my relationship with President Trump, because President Trump did a phenomenal job for this country and for the state of Ohio. And you want to know why it was important for J.D. to say that? Or would have been? Trump won Ohio by 8.5 points in 2016. He won Ohio again by another 8.5 points in 2020. He's very popular here. J.D. needed to ride that and say, I'm not going to apologize for that. He and I see eye to eye, and we support the America First agenda, which is what I will do in the United States Senate. If he does that, he turns Tim Ryan's attempt to embarrass him right around on him. Instead, he let Tim Ryan make him look like he was indeed just a little bit weak because he wouldn't stand up to Donald Trump. So I think J.D. Vance won the debate for an hour. But I think there is some work that can be done to shore this up and make sure that he wins this election going away. Right now, it's too close for comfort, and I want a home run next time, not just a double or a triple. That's what we need in order to make sure that J.D. Vance goes to the United States Senate. 9.32. Now we'll do the news. Then we'll talk to Jess Franz from uh, the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee right here on Always Right Radio. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 938 now. We do continue on Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget Peter Kirsten now coming up after the top of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on the debate last night between J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, which again I think was a very clear J.D. Vance victory. However, I don't think it was the knockout I want. 
I want to knock out. I don't want to win on points. I don't want to win on uh, technicalities. I want to knock out punch, and I think there are some things that he can do to make that stronger next time around. But people are voting now. Early voting has begun, and people can go and vote right now. And if they're voting based on what they saw last night, again, I think if they have a uh, you know, functioning brain cell or two, they'll vote for J.D. Vance. There's no question in my mind about that, but I want to make it crystal clear. So we'll talk more about that with Kirsten. I might even ask that of our next guest uh, who joins us uh, from the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee, District 5. She is one of the new uh, um, committee members. Uh, she won back in the uh, primaries in uh, uh, in August, and uh, we're so happy to have Jess Franz back on the program now as she continues to update from District 5. And uh, Jess, so, so good to have you back on the program. How are you? Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. So uh, there's a lot of ground to cover here on your latest Substack, and I appreciate you sending me that quote-unquote October newsletter uh, about all of the things that are so important to you and that you're working on. I think that's fantastic. You're putting in a lot more time and effort, it would seem to me, than a lot of people do. So I, I commend you for that. But before we get into any of that, I'm sure you watched the debate last night, and I'm sure like uh, most of our listeners right now, you're very hopeful that J.D. Vance will be the next Ohio, Ohio senator. Uh, what, any feedback, any thoughts uh, on, uh, on what you saw last night? Yes, absolutely supportive of, of J.D. Vance. And I actually have been working on a resolution uh, for the state school board for the past few days, so I have not had a chance to, to view the debate. I have seen the feedback from the debate. And, of course, a, the Ohio Republican Party put out a uh, press release and from um, our chairman, Bob Paduchek, regarding that debate. And I'm anxious to, to see that later. Got it. Yeah, I know people. You had a lot of people. Even though I thought it was relatively well promoted by Fox Eight and by you know most of the uh, political uh, uh, parties involved, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of people last night when I posted on my Facebook page, what'd you think of the debate? People said debate. When was there a debate? How come they didn't tell anybody? Yeah. So a lot of people probably missed it for one reason or another, and hopefully people do uh, get a chance to watch it. I've got. Um, uh, actually, I don't have it posted. I have my commentary posted, but I, there's a YouTube link to it, the entirety from Fox mm-hmm. 8, uh, and uh, 58 minutes long, so people can watch it in its entirety and, and respond that way. So it's important. Um, okay, so having said that then, Jess friends, let's talk about uh, some of the information in your newsletter. And I want to start on the larger scale before we go down to the uh, narrow, narrow scope, uh, which, of course, I think is today in the Ohio uh, School Board or Board of Education, rather, uh, meeting in which they're discussing yeah. uh, Brennan Chase resolution. But you lead in your newsletter with um, the commitment to America, the, uh, you know, the four pronged approach put forth by Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Well, I'm sorry, soon to be Speaker, I hope, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you have some thoughts on, on what that means for the Republican Party, for America and maybe for Ohio. You want to just give us an overview? Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hoping to bring before the committee, um, myself and other conservative members that have, have gotten together and, and discussed some of these ideas and are, has, you know, added that we can, at our last meeting, he has gone ahead and, and told us that he would like to add a state platform committee and also a young Republicans committee. So that's encouraging. So we can really start to kind of flesh out some of these ideas um, that will be foundational for a state platform. And one of the most pressing issues of concern that I'm hearing from my constituents is the um, what is going on with our schools with this expansion of Title IX that Biden is pushing. And my, my colleague, uh, Christine Maurer, 
from District 29 mm-hmm. has suggested passing a a resolution similar to what the Texas GOP has passed in pushing back and, and rejecting these um, harmful gender identity uh, policies that are are being you know imposed this kind of this uh, social and cultural revolution that's being posed upon the American people and they're using our schools to to push that so I think that that is an excellent idea and something that you know just making phone calls sending emails to other committees members we have seen a lot of support for this type of resolution uh, okay um so we're diving right into that. Let's let's go further there. Then I I, I did want to ask you about the recommitment to Ohio mm-hmm. pledge that you have on your Substack. Oh yes, and, and, you know yes, um, so some actually, more general things before we get to that. But did you want to did you want to give sure, us something? I'm sorry. On that? Go ahead. Yes, we are currently working on a website, and it is recommitment to Ohio, and we are hoping again to to bring this before the committee. We have not yet yet done that, so little little early on this, but we put these ideas together and hoping to present at our next meeting to say, hey, let's see about doing something like the commitment to America and let's bring that to the state. Let's let's use this to start building again that foundation for our state platform so that, you know, we bring some of this um, grassroots transparency to the Republican Party and revive interest in it and making it better so that our voters feel more connected because we have so many disenfranchised voters right now that do not feel connected to the party because they need to hear from us that we understand what they are going through, the issues that they're facing in their everyday lives, and they need to know where we stand on these issues. So uh, the recommitment to Ohio Pledge is one way that we can we can do that. And, um, you know, hopefully this will have a, a good response from the committee when it is uh, presented to them, that there will be enough support that we could get this um, we could get this passed and then start building our state platform off these foundational pillars. We are talking with Jess Franz. She is uh, Ohio State Central Committee, uh, Republican Party State Central Committee member for District 5. Uh, she's got an October newsletter out filled with a lot of very important information. You mentioned disenfranchisement, which brings to my mind election integrity. You've got a section mm-hmm. in this uh, newsletter about poll working and poll watching and how important that is for, uh, you know, for Ohioans to make sure that whatever happens on over, uh, November 8th is on the up and up. Now, we can't, we can't get inside the machines and see if anything is being you know played with there because a lot of people are very mm-hmm. concerned about the eric uh, voting system and about the ability for uh um uh, hackers if you will or or just uh you know the computer gurus to mm-hmm. perpetuate fraud quite frankly or to alter results we can't handle that but what we can do is make sure that we're present uh during the uh, during the elections and uh, make sure we're present in the counting rooms to make sure that everything is on the up and up right Yes, absolutely. So um, volunteers are still needed uh, for poll workers, which there is training for that, and that is um, a paid position, and that you're typically there all day. So if you're going to sign up to be a poll worker, plan on being there from morning till till closing. And then poll observing is also something that is uh, really needed right now. That's not as big of a time commitment, and the training only takes about an hour. 
And um, I know that Free Ohio Now is actually putting together trainings for poll observers. So there's a lot of opportunity here for uh, voters to get involved and to help bring accountability and transparency back to the election process. So very important. It most certainly is. Now, now, now let's go a little bit more in depth on the Board of Education and uh, the big the big hearing today, or the meeting today, rather. I guess it's two days, according to what Lisa Woods tells me. It's today and tomorrow. And um, they're going to be, again, continuing to hear testimony uh, and uh, make consideration of Brand- Brendan Shea's resolution. Now, uh, I talked to Brendan. I had him on. We covered a lot of this. I think you and I talked about mm-hmm. it a little bit, too. Um, give us a little bit of a refresher on what this resolution would do. And moreover, what the danger is if it doesn't pass, if we don't get enough people, particularly the board members that are appointed by Mike DeWine, since Mike DeWine is too scared to issue a statement in support of this resolution himself. He doesn't want to rock the boat since he's winning by 20 points in his, in his own reelection campaign. He's sitting there silent. So if we don't get the votes that we need, what does this look like for kids and particularly you know, girls um, in mm-hmm. in Ohio schools if uh, if they're forced to submit to these changes to Title IX. Right. Well, what that is going to look like is um, it's going to be pretty nefarious for for a lot of um, it's for parents and grand grandparents who have reached out to us. This this is looks like a nightmare, especially with the installation of these school based healthcare clinics because. You will not, what this will do is you won't need parental consent. So if you have a child that is struggling with identity and they go to a school counselor and they want to transition, they can begin taking cross-sex drugs without parental knowledge or consent. Um, They have uh, ability to, to get abortion services without parental consent. It will allow biological males who identify as females to use the girls' restrooms, play in girls' sports, use girls' locker rooms and shower rooms, and and vice versa. And students and staff members are now at risk of being accused of sex-based harassment if they want to refuse to use a student's preferred name and pronouns. So, yeah, we um, are really trying to bring this to the forefront so people understand what is going on and how important this resolution is we've got to take a stand on these issues and protect the privacy and safety of our students. And with that being said, uh, members of the state central committee have been working on a letter to chairman Paducek and asking him to share our concerns, the committee's concerns with governor DeWine. So we just sent out a letter actually yesterday addressed to chairman Paducek asking him to reach out to Governor DeWine and let him know that we are encouraging him to urge his appointees to vote for state board member Shea's resolution. As you know, there's nine appointees now, and that vote is scheduled to happen tomorrow unless they decide to push that off to, um, to November. But right now it is scheduled to take place for tomorrow, and we do have 45 supporting members on the state central committee who have signed on to a letter urging um, Governor DeWine to encourage his appointees to vote in support of that resolution. Um, I'm just curious, Jess, how many members are there on the state central committee? There are 63. 
So sixty three members yeah, and only forty five only forty five of them have, have signed on. What on earth are the others thinking? I have to ask. What I mean, how are you on the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee if you do not support Brendan Shea's resolution and protection and defense of our kids? Well, and this comes back to really understanding what the Republican National Committee has already said regarding Title IX. It's, it's not like the Republican Party has no compass for the direction that we need to take on this. So in our, in our Republican National Committee platform, they have stated we emphatically support the original authentic meaning of Title IX, of the Education Amendments of 1972, and they go on to state that they they are firmly standing against the current president and bureaucrats that are using Title IX to impose this um, social and cultural revolution upon the American people. And I'm reading right from it right now. It's by wrongfully defining sex discrimination to include sexual orientation or other categories. And um, they go on to say their agenda has nothing to do with individual rights. It has everything to do with power. They talk about their determination to reshape our schools and our society to fit the mold of something that is alien to America's history and tradition. So we every do word, have guidance. Every word of that is accurate. And, you know, Jess, I apologize for yeah. the intrusion there, but but just to kind of bring a, a, a cap to this mm-hmm. or put a cap on this, what weapon, what is one of the primary weapons that they're using to advance that agenda? Sadly, shockingly, poor kids. Poor kids. Yes. Because if Ohio schools and any state schools and state boards do not adopt, or districts do not adopt these changes to Title IX, they will withhold federal funding for school lunch and breakfast programs, free free lunch and breakfast and uh, reduced price uh, meals for kids. So they're gonna they're gonna pull food away from poor, hungry kids if they don't Mm -hmm. uh, if 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 um, states and districts don't allow. Uh, these ridiculous new, you know, norms to take effect where girls get to be in boys' yeah. locker rooms and vice versa and all of the sex-based harassment and everything else you talked about. That's what's so stunning. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's being used exactly what you just said, and, and the most at-risk kids and are being used as, you know, fodder for their, their agenda to propel it further. And there are already schools, there's one in my district, who just based on Biden's guidance alone, have said, well, we're going to allow um, trans-identifying students to use the bathroom of choice because of this this guidance. It's not even uh, based in law. There is no Ohio law that would provide for them the necessity to to do that. But that's why it is so important for the state. There's no surprise to that because it's not just Biden's Mm -hmm. guidance. It's the National Educators Association guidance. The NEA, the largest teachers union, and the AFT, they push for this. I guarantee yeah. you, every this this uh, policy that's been established in the district in one of the schools in your district that you're talking about right now, I guarantee you, is pushed mm-hmm. for by this by the, the uh, union, uh, the whatever district's union. That's that's yeah. central to all of this. Radical positions held by radical union le- union leaders mm-hmm. and thus forced down to their membership. That is exactly what is going on here. It's not even just the federal government. The federal government's working hand in hand with the uh, radical teachers unions, and they are just eliminating education from schools and replacing it with full-on indoctrination for the purposes, as you pointed out, much larger purchase, uh, purposes for, I think, for societal transformation, which is what, what the far left is, yeah. uh, has been clamoring for. 
We will leave it there, Just Friends. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your work uh, on the uh, State Central Committee and this terrific uh, this uh, terrific uh, newsletter that you put on your Substack. I will link that to our page at alwayswrite.us so people can read it for themselves. Just Franz, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a great day. It's 9.55. We'll take a time out here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Dot com. Okay, 9.58. <clears throat> Always Right Radio on a Tuesday. Don't forget, Kirsten out coming up after the top of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on the Vance-Ryan debate. He's got a lot of other thoughts on what's going on in the bigger picture with respect to the elections. And as it pertains to the elections, the Battleground Tour is, uh, what are we now, let's see, 11 days away. I cannot believe how fast this is coming. And I also cannot believe how fast these tickets are flying out by people uh, who are going to be with us at the IX Center on October 22nd. For myself... For Kersenow, for Hugh Hewitt, for Brandon Tatum, and for Eric Metaxas as we cover everything top to bottom. Economy, inflation, border crisis, civil rights under attack, weaponization of the feds against us. All of it leading to the most important election of our lifetime. We have to take control back from the radicals uh, who have just destroyed this country in two short years. We have to carry this momentum from October 22nd through November 8th. Join us. Get your tickets now. They are covered They're paid for already. All you've got to do is register for them at whkradio.com. That's whkradio.com. Take Bob on the go by downloading the WHK Radio app on the Google Play Store. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It's Tuesday, the 11th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We are under a month away from deciding the future of this country. November 8th is Election Day. Early voting is already underway. People are making their decisions on who gets to run the country from the legislative aspect of it. In just two short years, less than two short years, in 21 months-ish, the Biden administration along with full control of the government by way of Democrats in the House and in the Senate, has destroyed this country's economy. Inflation at 40-year highs. Uh, We are now officially in a recession with negative GDP growth for two consecutive quarters. Our border is a sieve. There are more drugs, cartel members, gang members, and criminals in this country than ever before by way of our southern border. Our weakness uh, on foreign affairs has invited Vladimir Putin to start a war in Ukraine. It is uh, allowing China to continue rattling their sabers over Taiwan. We continue to suffer from violent crime increases in this country because of soft policies encouraged by 
not just Biden and Kamala Harris, but by his weaponized Department of Justice and Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, passing on down the line soft judges, uh, guidance to judges, soft on crime uh, district attorneys. We have violent crime spikes. Cops can't be cops. It's all falling apart. And that's in 21 months. Give them a full two additional years, and I don't know that we ever recover. That is how important this upcoming midterm election is. And I know everything that I just said will be seconded and expanded upon by our next guest, since it is Tuesday, and of course, that is our good friend Peter Kirsnow. Peter Kirsnow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, the longest-serving member of that commission. He is also a Cleveland attorney and a best-selling author. Good morning, Pete. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day in Cleveland. Unfortunately, the Browns didn't call me for one play, and the outcome is inevitable. Well, unless that one play was going to be as a kick or kicker, um, I, don't th- <laughs> I don't know that it really would have mattered. Or a linebacker who could stop the run. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if your one play would have helped that much, Pete. Yeah, I hate to put too much pressure or blame on the kicker. I mean, you and I both played football, and the kicker always is the goat, it seems. But, uh, and I don't mean goat in terms of the Tom Brady type of goat, but... Uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, we have, you know, yeah, but when you're a fourth round the, draft pick kicker, when they when they spend a mid round yeah. pick on you, you you can't be that guy. Sorry. I mean, there's a reason they spend a pick on you. Most kickers are undrafted free agents. Yeah, he, you know, he was very prescient in that first game after after which he said that, you know, they love me now, but they may hate me the next week. <laughs> and, you know, that's the way it is. And we've got three games now that could have been decided by, you know, a, a little bit, a little bit. A couple inches this way, a couple inches that way, and uh, unfortunately we didn't get it. But, yeah, but, but it's not, not that, come though. Down. Pete, it's not about the inches, though, in my opinion. Seriously, if, if from, from what I read, and you know I've sworn off the NFL, but I do follow things tangentially, and, and I, from what I read, the Chargers had literally the worst rushing attack in the National Football League going into that game, and they literally doubled their season output in one game against the yeah. Browns defense. So you can't right. tackle uh, you can't tackle a running back for a team that can't run the ball. It's a lot more than just a kicker. Like I said, unless Kersenow's one play is going to be middle linebacker, and you put a shoulder into the sternum of one of those guys and knocks them out, then uh, uh, it's going to take more than that, my friend. Could have happened. Could have happened. You know. Um, you know. I'm, I'm still. I'm, I'm up there. I'm benching 225, 18 reps. I can get up to 400 pounds. One hit, the ball pop out. I catch it mid flight. <laughs> boom, off to the races. And I still got decent speed, more so than most offensive linemen who are the guys who are going to be uh, chasing me at the time. So, one play, Stefanski. One play. There you go. And he may not be around to make those calls for very much longer. Yeah. Okay, Pete. Let's dive into the more important things now. <clears throat> so, um. We'll start with last night. Um, my, my impression was, I won't rehash it, but my impression was J.D. Vance won the debate. Tim Ryan was just repeating his same failed talking points, his same lies that he tells on his TV Tim ads. Uh, I think he looked flustered a lot of the time. Uh, I think he was really bad when he... Uh, you know, pointed out that his 20 years in uh, in Washington D.C. are a testament to his family's commitment to service. My dad was the usher at church at the 10:45 mass. I mean, it almost sounded very Bideny in terms of old stories. And he once painted the rectory too, or something like that. So he's he gives service. That's what we do is we give service. That was his answer to the 20 years in D.C. without getting anything done. Uh, so I think JD JD Vance won the debate. Um, it was not the TKO that I wanted. Um, there were a lot of things that I think needed to be done to expose Tim Ryan and a few things that could have been done to support JD's own cause that didn't get done in this. Now, that's just a very thumbnail sketch type version of what I thought. What did you think? You know, I, I tend to agree. First of all, full disclosure, I only watched a few 
portions of it because I was uh, working on my next novel. In other words, I was writing fiction, not listening to fiction. But uh, I saw a sufficient amount of it, and especially the response, the exchange with respect to the uh, abortion slash you know rape issue. And I think J.D. Vance had a, a fairly decent response there. At least it was a soundbite type of response that should have been picked up by more than just, say, Fox News. Um, I think it was a pretty effective one, especially considering the fact that Tim Ryan and the Democrats own the debacle on the border. Um, I do think that for his first um, opposite party debate, and it's not his first debate period, but his first debate against a uh, opponent of the opposite party, J.D. Vance did fairly well. And I think he's very composed, and I think he was just kind of feeling his way. And I think, uh, you know, if they have another debate, uh, he'll do extremely well. I think he made the points he needed to make. I think they could have been made a little bit more sharply. Um, Sometimes you have to, on occasion, have to take over the debate. I mean, I'm talking to somebody who's probably had more debates than all 10 candidates you can think of combined. Um, So it is a strategy that you employ. You go in knowing the points you want to make. I think he probably, meaning J.D. Vance, covered the points adequately. Uh, Tim Ryan comes across as, and again, I'm biased, no doubt about it, but Tim Tim Ryan, first of all, he's very shrewd because he knows that if he ran on his record or ran as a Democrat, he'd get swamped, he'd get destroyed in Ohio. So he tries to seem as if he is a MAGA Republican. It's really an amazing thing, and I think it actually detracts. I don't think it's going to help because at some point, yeah, all the Democrats who are going to vote for him anyway know that this is a big charade, and so they're going to vote for him. But I think if he continues to do this over the next three to four weeks in public, and especially against a J.D. Vance or if he's you know, being questioned by the news media, as people start to really focus on the election, because right now is only... You know, you and I have been focused on it, and probably your listeners and those who are truly engaged in the political process, but we always, or at least I'll speak for myself, I tend to forget that uh, that's only about 2% of us. Uh, The rest of people are still considering, you know, or, you know, thinking about uh, why the Indians changed their name and why the Browns can't win. Uh, But they're now starting to focus, I think, with the debates. And I do think that J.D. Vance probably moved the needle just a little bit or held serve. Uh, You know, I I think that um, Tim Ryan didn't make any progress whatsoever. And, again, being biased, so I, I have to acknowledge that, I look at Tim Ryan and, boy, does he come across as a major league phony. Um, so that, those are my two cents from what I saw. Okay. Um, and, uh, by the way, it's a 45-44 race right now. Uh, and that's why he, he just moving the needle a little bit is not enough for me. I think it's a big, big problem. I think the needle needs to move to be moved a lot. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because this is something I had a problem with. Um, J.D. really needed to respond to this better than he did. Tim Ryan said, I don't know if you heard this part as you were writing your novel, Pete, but I'll play it for you, and then I'll give you the context, and we'll talk about it. And uh, you know what? For some reason, we're not able to hear that. Hold on one second. We'll see if it can repair that. All right, here we go. In Youngstown, on the stage, uh, Donald Trump said to J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. He said that. That's bad, because that means J.D. Vance is going to do whatever he wants. Mitch McConnell's given him $40 million. He's going to do what he wants. And Peter Thiel gave him a $15 million. He's going to do what he wants. And here's the thing that's most troubling about this lack of courage, is that after Trump 
took J.D. Vance's dignity from him on the stage in Youngstown. J.D. Vance got back up on stage and said, start shaking his hand, taking pictures, saying, hey, aren't we having a great time here tonight? I don't know anybody I grew up with. I don't know anybody I went to high school with that would allow somebody to take their dignity like that and then get back up on stage. We need leaders who have courage to take on their own party. And I've proven that. And he was called an ass-kisser by the former president. Um, Tim Ryan did not exaggerate that. Um, here's the clip. J.D. is kissing my ass. He wants my support. I think he's running J.D. on an I love Donald Trump policy. Yeah, he said some bad things about me, but that was before he knew me, and then he fell in love. Um, I'm still angry at Donald Trump for doing that. Um, it does take away dignity. It does put J.D. Vance in a very uncomfortable position. He had to sit there in the audience in Youngstown and chuckle at that and laugh and ha ha ha, yeah, I'm kissing your ass, Donald. Um, it, it, it's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And J- Tim Ryan scored points there. It made J.D. look weak, especially when J.D.'s only response was, oh yeah? Well, you, you're on tape saying that um, you have to suck up to Chuck Schumer because he's going to be your boss someday. I just thought it was a very weak line. And then, by the way, Ryan came back and said, we need in Washington an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. Um, and, and I just think J.D. did not approach it right. I think he needed to say something about, look, Donald Trump and I are friends. He's a, he, you know, he busts chops, or if you will, he's a ball buster. Uh, and, and that's what we do because we're friends, because we see eye to eye on uh, the, the way to, to run this country from a, an America first standpoint. He needed to do something to explain that because Tim Ryan accused him of having his dignity taken away, and I don't think he responded well at all. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. I think I'm I'm less concerned about it because um people get and know Trump. Um this probably did more for uh Tim Ryan to solidify his base by raising Donald Trump than it did to raise too many concerns among those in the middle or Republicans about JD Vance because they know Donald Trump. They know Donald Trump does this or says this in a joking fashion among many candidates. Um, it, he could probably have raised a different issue, but the fact of the matter is also, I think this was a response to the ad that's going around right now on behalf of Tim Ryan, or not on behalf of Tim Ryan, but on behalf of J.D. Vance, that has Tim Ryan saying that he has to suck up to Chuck Schumer. He says that in a speech. I'm going to have to suck up to Chuck Schumer. And then yeah, that, and that, was, JD, where, that was J.D.'s response. That, that's what J.D. said right, in response, which right, I exactly. think was and I, th- I think this was a response to J.D.'s commercials. And also, I think it's a response to his, meaning um, Ryan saying that he loves Nancy Pelosi. If you look at polling data, the three least popular politicians in the United States are in order in terms of the least popular is Nancy, actually it's Mitch McConnell's the least uh, popular, then it's Nancy Pelosi, and then it's Chuck Schumer. So it's a good idea to tie your opponent to one of those three. Now, he, what Ryan should have done is tie him to McConnell, because the opposition... He did that too. To, yeah, the opposition, then, then that, that was his consultants did the right thing. The opposition to Trump is baked in. You're not going to score any more points in terms of raising Donald Trump or your opponent's affiliation with Donald Trump. That's baked in. It's not going to move the needle whatsoever. So you've got to do something else. I don't think that all of that, that exchange, 
um, in terms of the election impact is going to negatively affect J.D. Vance appreciably. But I agree with you. I think one of the things, if, if I were to critique J.D. Vance at all, again, I, I think I saw probably three quarters of the whole thing. Um, it's that he probably, I think he was appropriately dignified statesmanlike, but I do think he needs a little bit more energy, and he could probably sharpen the knives a little bit more. There's Agreed. a lot of target space for Tim Ryan. And he's right in terms of Tim Ryan's been in Washington or been in politics for a couple of decades now with little to show for it. And now that he is confronting the in a statewide election, he's trying to look like Republican light, but at the same time pander to his base. That's going to be a difficult thing to do. Over the, Again, people are starting to pay attention now. The masses of people are starting to pay attention now. I don't think he's going to be able to walk that balance beam adequately. And also, the advantage to Vance is this. Two things. One is the polling in the last several cycles, but especially this cycle, is going to favor or it's going to be marginally in favor of Democrats because Republicans, as a number of people have mentioned, Republicans have historically been more reticent to tell pollsters what they think. But it's reached a crescendo now after the MAGA speech, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, Reichstag speech by Biden last month calling MAGA Republicans basically the Antichrist, and also after the relentless attacks on not just Republicans, but especially MAGA supporting Republicans, Republicans are extraordinarily reticent to, first of all, answer the polls at all, but number two, to accurately answer the polls. I really do think, and I think Newt Gingrich has said this too, I even think it's even worse than what Newt Gingrich has said. I do think that the polls are severely, not marginally, severely undercounting Republican support in the upcoming election. So it shouldn't be even close to tied. It shouldn't be as close as it seems to be, but I don't think that accurately reflects the polling. That said, J.D. Vance has got to exhibit a little bit more energy here. He's got to be out there just kicking buck butt big time. He's got to be dignified, but boy, he's got to go on the attack because there's a lot to attack about a Tim Ryan. There's a lot to attack about Democrats. They own everything right now. The reason why they only talk about abortion is every other issue is a debacle for them. They own it. One policy uh, or two policies that they have uh, implemented directly relate to one of the debacles. Choose your debacle, whether it's immigration, whether it's crime, whether it's inflation, whether it's grass prices. You can draw a straight line from a Biden slash Democrat policy to that debacle. So that's all they've got. They have to go on abortion and then attack somebody personally or distort their record and hope. And heck, they don't have to hope. They know the media is going to run cover for them. All right, it's 1024. We'll take our time out here, and we'll continue with Peter Kersenow after this on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. W-H-K. Celebrating 100 years in Cleveland. W-H-K. Okay, 1027, now we continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer, with Peter Kirsten. Now, Peter, a little bit of a different story now as we uh, move uh, ever closer, under a month away. Early voting already begun uh, for the November 8th midterms. This is an interesting turn of events. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. 
who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. It was only three years ago that Tulsi Gabbard was running for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. She just literally ripped every single position the Democrat Party holds as she announces her withdrawal from the party. She did not declare herself to be a Republican. She may stay independent. But your thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard? Um, I love it. I really do. I've always been a little skeptical because she had always enunciated positions in the main, 90% of them, that were considered to be conservative or Republican. And yet she remained in the Democratic Party. So, of course, I was going to be a little skeptical. I, was, I would have no idea where, what the heck she was thinking or doing. She seemed to be in the wrong party. She hasn't gone all the way over to the Republican Party, despite the fact that she said nice things about Republicans. I know that some of your listeners have seen her a number of times on Tucker's show where she sounds like a Republican, if, if not even a moderate Republican. She sounds like a fairly conservative Republican. I mean, she's not where maybe you or I are. I am, but uh, nonetheless. Um, she's been pretty good. Now, what's her next step? Um, she did that for a reason, and it wasn't simply, you know, to express her opinion. I think that she may be setting herself up for a political run, who knows, maybe as an independent, maybe as a Republican, who knows what it is, but I think it's about time that she separated herself, as many are. I mean, you've seen and your audience has heard about the dramatic shift for the Republicans by Hispanics, which is a death knell for the Democrats are freaking out about it. I know I've talked to them. Uh, this on top of the shift that I've told you about in terms of black males shifting toward Republicans and it doesn't take a wholesale shift. All you need are five to 10 points worth and Democrats go the way of the Whig party. And the reason is quite clear. You're talking about Cultural conservatives, not even conservatives, cultural moderates, who are looking at the Democratic Party and think they've lost their minds. It's a repellent worldview that the Democrats now hold at the national level. It used to be you'd find a discreet Democrat here or there who was nuts, somebody out of San Francisco or some other type of uh, enclave that is completely divorced from the real world. But now the leadership has embraced some of the nuttiest ideas imaginable, and then you combine that with kitchen table issues. We are seeing some of the worst kitchen table outcomes in terms of gas prices, food prices, inflation generally. But it seems as if this president, you know, stumbles from debacle to debacle and is supported by the Pelosi's and Schumer's of the world. Uh, they also have an age problem. So all of that said, I think Tulsi Gabbard is just, she's an avatar. She's one of the people who've decided, maybe I don't go wholesale Republican, but I can no longer abide being a Democrat because they're looney tunes. Peter Kirsten, very well said. They are all of the above, and I think reasonable, moderate-style Democrats flipping over to, or at least away from the Democrat Party, if not all the way into the Republican Party, is something that is going to start to become more popular as uh, the devastation of this country under Democrat policies uh, continues to, to worsen. We'll continue with Kirsten Al. we got him for another segment. It's After the News on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Life. 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, it's 1036 now. We do continue with Peter Kersenow. Peter is, of course, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a best-selling author. He's also going to be joining me on stage 11 days from now, along with Brandon Tatum, the officer, Hugh Hewitt, the professor, Eric Metaxas, the author. Uh, It's going to be a great, great event at the IX Center, October 22nd. Get your tickets now. They are paid for. This is a sponsored event, so you don't have to buy your ticket. All you've got to do is claim it by registering at um, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Tickets have just absolutely flown. Thank goodness it's a massive venue, and we've got plenty of room for more. And the more that we pack in, the more energy we create, the more momentum we carry out of there on October 22nd all the way through November 8th to make sure that we do indeed win the uh, majority in the House and in the Senate and put some sort of a break on the radical, out-of-control Democrat policies that have destroyed this country in just 21 months. Um, Peter Kirsten, I want to go back to the Senate race for a second, not necessarily to the debate last night. I think you've covered a lot of that well, and we've had some good uh, discussion on that. Uh, And I I agree with you, J.D. needs to step up his game in terms of his level of aggression while still remaining dignified and, uh, and as you say, bring out the the long knives or something of that nature. Um, Just about the race itself, I've got some people, I was just having a discussion on my Facebook page because I asked uh, last night on my Facebook page, what did you think of the debate? And just getting tons of responses here. And I want to read one in particular. And get your uh, thoughts on it, because this seems to be uh, there seems to be quite a few Republicans who are really, really wishy-washy on whether or not they want to go vote for J.D. Vance. Um, so Dan wrote, quote, um, I apologize. Uh, let's see. Dan originally said not watching, don't really like either candidate. And then when somebody else pointed out, you better better like a candidate. I would vote for an orange juice can over any Democrat these days. Suck it up and vote for J.D. And Dan's response was. Vance is a rhino who left Ohio and is a self-proclaimed never-Trump guy who begged for his endorsement and got it for some reason. I'm tired of voting for rhinos. I won't vote vote for Ryan either. I'm just going to skip that on the ballot and let you all vote for him, just like I cannot vote for the tyrant DeWine. The Ohio Republicans really let me down in the primaries. The swamp needs to be drained locally. And after a few back-and-forths, um, he clarified and said, uh, I'm not voting for either candidate in this race or the governor race. We could have done better than J.D. Vance. That's all I'm saying. You all can vote for him, though. I think he's a rhino, and I hope I'm wrong. So my response to that, Peter, uh, generally speaking, is sometimes you have to just realize that if you don't really like the guy you're voting for, chalk it up as a vote against the Democrat. If this is because if you if you in a forty five forty four race, and I know you said you don't necessarily trust that, but in a very tight race, every vote matters. And if you withhold your vote because he's not quite conservative enough for you, and you allow Tim Ryan to become the senator replacing Rob Portman, and if it gives the Democrats control or it keeps their control of the United States Senate, we will forever, forever regret those types of votes. Can you speak to? Um, conservatives or moderates who want to vote for J.D. Vance, but they don't necessarily think he's, you know, the perfect conservative, and they may sit this one out. Yeah, your analysis is spot on. I couldn't have said it any better. And I've said a number of times on your show and other venues, over the last at least six years, you cannot not vote, and you cannot 
vote for any Democrat, even if you like them. As I've said before, in the past, I may have voted for some local Democrats because I'd known them in law school or uh, in some other way, or I just thought that they were a little bit different. And even now, if my best friend was a Democrat and running, I would not vote for him because they are part of the collective. They are part of the Borg. You cannot do it anymore. That sounds, in the past, I would have thought that that sounds um, a little bit, frankly, closed-minded or ignorant. No more. It's imperative that anybody who has a vote vote for the Republican, even if he's not the perfect Republican for you. And it really bothers me when I hear all due respect to whoever that individual was. It really bothers me when somebody stands on principle as the country goes down the drain. Look around at what's happening. We have a chance at resurrecting to pull this country out of the drain, but we can't do it if we simply don't vote or say that J.D. Vance is not the perfect Republican or somebody else is not the perfect Republican. You're not going to get them. It's not going to happen. And you will find a lot of Republicans who may have been never Trumpers or anti-Trump, but they are nonetheless Republicans. I don't like it. And on your show, Bob, you, you and I for years have talked about this tendency among the establishment Republicans to be either quietly or overtly anti-Trump or never Trump. And I couldn't stand it. It just really frosted me. Nonetheless, when it comes down to crunch time, somebody with an R after their name is imperative versus somebody with a D after the name because they're going to go to Washington, and even if they are, you know, Republican light or they are conservative light, they are 99% more likely to vote the right way with their caucus than they are to vote with the Democrats. Imperative, please, if you're out there and you have any concern, if you are on the fence about whether or not you're going to vote at all, or whether or not if you do vote, you're going to vote for the Republican, dash that immediately. Vote and vote for Republican. You must do it. And I'm not a a party shield. Bob, you and I have been doing this for a number of years now. You know that I have numerous criticisms of the Republicans. In fact, you just raised one of them. I don't think they're half as energetic as they should be. I don't think they're even one quarter as energetic as they should be. And I also think that when they, they have a tendency to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory because they're too, frankly, reticent. They are too, they're not as bold as they, bold as they should, be, should be, and they don't understand, I think, the, the, the American psyche. And they they think it's too hard to persuade people. Reagan was able to persuade people to vote for conservatism. If you're going to run for, the, for any office, then put on your big boy pants, work hard, and persuade people toward your position. But to, again, to that point, extremely important, imperative, that in this election cycle, any election cycle, you vote for the Republican. And this is coming from somebody who is less partisan and more ideological. I'm a conservative okay. before I'm a Republican. I'm going to run the risk here of hypocrisy, uh, although I don't believe I am being a hypocrite when I say this, because I think there are two different races, and I think the outcomes are very, very different, potentially. I am not going to vote for Mike DeWine. He is the Republican. Nan Whaley is the Democrat. I am not going to cast a vote for Mike DeWine, not for one second would I even consider doing so. What he did to this state can never, ever be justified. It can never, ever be forgiven. The number of lives that he harmed, uh, the number of livelihoods that he destroyed, the number of businesses uh, and people's life savings that were wiped out because of his decisions with Amy Act, and I will never give him another chance to do that to me. Now, I can say this very differently than the J.D. Vance race because my vote isn't going to change things. 
DeWine's got a 20-point lead. He's going to win going away. And if, by some miracle of creation, and I have no idea what that would even look like, somehow Nan Whaley were to win, and my vote would have made a difference, I'm okay with a, re- a supermajority Republican General Assembly checking the Democrat, which they were too cowardly to do when it was Mike DeWine the Republican. If DeWine is going to govern like a Democrat, just like Nan Whaley would anyway, and the Demo- or the Republican supermajority in the General Assembly won't do anything to him because he's one of their own, uh, they might actually stand up and be a little bit more bold and a little bit more um, you know, willing to do what is necessary for the people of Ohio if it's checking the Democrat in the governor's mansion. So I feel like they're very, very different here. I'm not going to vote for Mike DeWine, but I would urge everybody, even if you're not necessarily in love with J.D. Vance, he's not the perfect conservative, as you pointed out, does not exist, Peter. Um, I, I feel like I can have both of those positions. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. You can have, as a practical basis, those two positions in this instance. <clears throat> it is an extremely rare instance yeah. where that transpires. Okay, So you can go ahead and indulge. I don't mean to say that in a pejorative fashion, but you can indulge your, your preference in that case. And I understand your feelings of DeWine. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of your listening audience shares them. If this were a one-point race... I would say to you, Bob, you gotta vote for DeWine. You know, against your, your instincts, against your guts, you gotta do it because the Democrat will always be worse. Without question, they will always be worse. In the case of J.D. Vance, we are in a plus eight red state and it's way, way, way too close. We cannot give Schumer another Democrat, especially from a plus eight red state. It must be J.D. Vance. And there, what we have, we have a fairly clear separation. We don't have a J.D. Vance who has done anything similar, done any kind of rhino uh, acts like a a DeWine or other Republicans that we have uh, great disappointment with. But nonetheless, you've got to vote for J.D. Vance, even if, you know, he's not, I think J.D. Vance, and again, I'm not a politician, but I wish that the Republicans would be more active, not necessarily more aggressive. You state your positions. You don't have to necessarily be a frothing lunatic out there like I am. But nonetheless, you've got to be an energetic Republican. Make your position and do it unapologetically. I think J.D. Vance is smart enough, articulate enough to do that. I just don't see enough energy. What would they call it? The energy in the executive? Heck, uh, you really need to show that you mean it. And that again, you know, I, I, maybe it's just my own personality, but I'm very disappointed with so many Republicans who don't understand, as Larry Elder does, that we've got a country to save and act like it. Yeah, that is exactly right. And and you know, it's it, it's no, it's nothing less than that. It's nothing short of that. I I don't want to repeat myself and run down the litany of things that have happened in the last 21 months, Peter. But you know. I'm old enough to remember when the Democrats told us we can't support Donald Trump because we don't want to get into a nuclear war with Vladimir Putin. And just last week, Joe Biden said we're on the verge of a nuclear war with Vladimir Putin. Uh, it, it is literally that serious. And I don't want to be, you know, guilty of histrionics and hyperbole, but but the reality is things have fallen apart very, very quickly under just 21 months of full Democrat control. You give them another two years, uh, uh, and I, goodness gracious, I don't know what would become of this country. I, I don't want to just be that guy and say this is the most important election of our lifetime because I've said it for the last several election cycles. But you know what, Pete? Each new election cycle, the stakes have been raised, and it's been true each new time. 
Yeah, and this time, and I think you've put your, your it is not an exaggeration to say that we're sleepwalking toward Armageddon. Joe Biden used those exact words. Now, he's an idiot. We, own, we know that. We know that he says things that are ridiculous. But when a president says those things, especially in the context of an ongoing war, my goodness, that's the kind of thing that could, especially if we believe that Vladimir Putin is as crazy and unhinged as they claim, then to say something like that could be the difference between putting the, his finger on the button and not putting his finger on the button. Now, I don't think it would happen, but who knows? You look at World War I, you look at so many wars where it's just a confluence of a number of different disparate issues and actions that led to world war. You don't play games with this, especially when, as most of the world thinks, the United States is extremely weak right now, and we have an ineffective, unengaged just frankly, an idiot for a president. I hate to say that, but we do. We have an idiot for a president. He was not smart when he had his faculties before. Now that he doesn't have his faculties, I'm not sure what he is. I don't even want to go into any kind of pejorative description, but we all know what we have at the presidency, and we all know that that invites aggression. Well, it does. Um, and let's wrap our conversation today with this then, because uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, in the debate last night, one of the questions was, how would you respond if Russia uses a nuclear weapon in Ukraine? Uh, and then the follow-up was, how would you respond, or what should the American response be if China invades Taiwan? Because Joe Biden has said on multiple occasions in the last several months that we would use force to defend Taiwan from China. Now, whether that means a ground invasion or whether that means ground forces or whether it means just air support or whatever, we don't know. But it would put us nose to nose in a military conflict with China. Um, I, I think and then every time Joe Biden has said that, by the way, the White House has had to come out two hours later with a clarification and saying he didn't really mean it. He is so gone. I mean, you're right. He was dumb. When he had all of his faculties. Now you add early onset dementia or whatever other mental acuity problem he is suffering from, Peter, and now it's dangerous because he looks weak, he sounds weak, and he says things that may indeed encourage or embolden enemies. So your thoughts on that aspect of it. By the way, just for purposes of the answer, Ryan said we should respond with strong force. Uh, J.D. said we should respond with diplomacy. We can't go getting into a war with Russia or China. So your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that is very tight. You know, off the top of my head, I don't want to give an you know, ill-considered response because that is the weightiest of all issues. My own off-the-top-of-my-head view is that, you know, we want to deter aggression every chance we get, and a nuclear use of nuclear weapon is the ultimate aggression, But at the, and we don't want to appear weak. At the same time, boy, you want to see what contours that takes. Analyze all the facts because you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Are we willing to risk worldwide nuclear Armageddon? Because once we use the nuke, nukes will fly. The use doctrine of the old Soviet Union was one nuke by the opposite side means all of our nukes fly. Don't know if that's still their doctrine, but if we truly believe that Vladimir Putin is presently unhinged, and we know that they've got 6,000 missiles aimed at us. I mean, we could be talking about something that would make the Cuban Missile Crisis look like a party. 
Um, this is serious stuff. So, again, you don't want to project weakness, but that's the thing. It's all about deterrence. Once that first nuke flies, you have to ask yourself, is Ukraine and the use of a nuke by a foreign power worth us sending nukes over? Because millions will die. There's no question about that. Well, and millions will die die here. Millions will die here. Because as as soon as ours are... Yeah, as soon as ours are in the air, if we respond to a Russian nuke in Ukraine by sending nukes to Russia, Russia, they're going to pass each other in the air and they're going to fire them right back here. And, and, and there's just, there's just no way to win that. There's no way to win that. Whether ours, whether ours, whether ours land in, in Red Square first, before theirs land in D.C. or Manhattan is irrelevant because they're both going to land and, and nuclear, nu- a nuclear holocaust will have happened. There's just no other Precisely. way to look at it. And, and what we have to do is you cannot have a president who makes statements that ratchets, ratchets up the temperature and increases the probability that something like that. You don't want to have to face that decision. In my own view, if I'm sitting right. in the Oval Office, again, depends on exactly what the facts on the ground have been at the time. And we'd look at a number of factors. But I would be very, very reticent to be firing a nuclear missile that could mean a full-scale retaliatory strike over Ukraine. All consideration to Ukrainians. I think that, you know, they're getting a raw deal from obviously what's going on here, and we want to deter aggression. But you know what? American lives should not be millions, tens of millions of American lives, and maybe worldwide hundreds of millions should not be sacrificed because one evil man has done an evil thing to Ukraine. I wouldn't, as President of the United States, represent Ukraine I represent the United States of America. But the first thing is, do not put yourself in that position. To have to make that decision means you have abjectly failed at your first and ultimate responsibility to the American people. That would be despicable. But that's almost where we are right now. Because of this guy making offhanded comments and his entire party, meaning the media also covering for him, we're in this position. Just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. Well, That's and, why you uh, can't have another D anywhere near Washington. No Ds, because it just simply gives him more leverage, more latitude to say these kinds of stupid things. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think it's worth pointing out as we close that there's only one president in the 21st century who has not had Vladimir Putin take an aggressive action into a foreign country. On Yeah, I wonder who that is. Yeah, yeah, some guy just, who's a bad orange man, right? Yep. Just just throwing that out there. I do not believe we would be on the verge of a of a of a, a nuclear showdown with Russia if Donald Trump was still the president of the United States. By the way, so, Bob, just want to say thanks a lot for the opportunity to sub for you this coming Thursday. Everybody who's listening, please listen in and please call in. We're going to have some good guests. We're going to talk about a number of things like what should the GOP do if and when they take the House and Senate. But we've got a lot of other things to talk about. So anyway, thanks, Bob, for letting me sub and. and Please come to the IX Center on the 22nd on Saturday. As Bob said, it's free. Somebody's going to get arrested because we're going to have so much fun. It'll probably be me. I'm going to be throwing chairs. It's going to be a great time. Peter Kirsten, thank you, my friend. God bless. 
That's Bye-bye. Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1055. And, yeah, Pete will be informing. I've got some tremendous, tremendous guest hosts coming up in the next couple of days that we're going to tell you about. But right now we're going to get to our newscast. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Pastor Chris Long of the Ohio Christian Alliance, something very, very different than the politics of the day, something I think almost all of us can come together on. And I'll let him tell you about that coming up after the news. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now. Ten minutes past 11 o'clock. Thank you to the brilliant Peter Kersenow for, well, his brilliance. And thanks uh, to him also for agreeing to sit in. We do have some uh, some guest hosts who are going to be taking you through the rest of the week after today. Our good friend Robert Walgate. Rob from the... Um, Ohio Policy Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, rather, which is part of the American Policy Roundtable, and uh, the Public Square Broadcast Network will be taking you through tomorrow. Peter Kersenow will be in on Thursday, and our good friend Khalid Namar will be with you on Friday as I take a little mini vacation uh, with the family and uh, very much looking forward to that. So I hope uh, you are, uh, in fact, I know, I shouldn't hope, I know that you're going to really enjoy uh, the three guest hosts that we have coming up for us the rest of this week. Now, for the rest of this show, however, I want to turn my attention to something positive for a change. We have so many negative things going on, so many terrible things to discuss about the state of our country and some of the attacks on our country and our institutions and our liberty. Let's talk about something positive. This has been a fight, if I'm not mistaken, that is somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 years in the making. And when I say fight, I mean it's an effort and it's a labor of love. That has been uh, undertaken by Pastor Chris Long, the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and a host of others who have been working very diligently for about 11 years now to bring the D-Day prayer to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. And now all of those, effort, uh, those efforts are, are bearing fruit. Now it is all about to come to fruition next month. Joining me now to talk about that and uh, the, the incredible story of the D-Day prayer is uh, Pastor Chris Long, Ohio Christian Alliance. Pastor Long, good to have you back on the airwaves, my friend. How are you, sir? Thank you, Bob. Good to be with you. And, uh, yes, we're excited. (laughs) It's been an 11-year journey with the D-Day Prayer Project. Many of your listeners, of course, have heard us over the years talk about this wonderful effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Some of the listeners may have seen the 
appearance I had on Fox and Friends this June when I headed down to D.C. Actually, it was the day in which we were hoping to dedicate the prayer uh, from a year or so ago, but uh, the delays of inflation, of course, uh, caused the price of the materials for the prayer to accelerate in cost, of course, under Mr. Biden's administration and during the inflationary period. So they had to go back to the drawing board and kind of um, revamp the plans and work within the budget. Uh, so that was accomplished. So we didn't have a June dedication, but it will be a dedication officially in December. But I want to talk about Veterans Day on on the Mall in Washington and Bob, you'll be there with us. We're so honored to have you as our MC. We're going to have a celebration of the D-Day Prayers Edition at the World War II Memorial. We've chosen Veterans Day because it's a great time to be on the Mall in Washington. My wife and I have had the privilege of going over the last few years to Veterans Day on the Mall, and it, there's a lot of veterans, a lot of their families, and it's a great time to celebrate our nation and to thank those who have served us in uniform in both in times of war and peace and to thank them for their service. You know, as Bob Dole used to say, just say these simple words, thank you for your service. And it means so much to those men and women in uniform and those who are retired, of course, and are veterans. And to give them thanks and to give them acknowledgement for their service, it means so much to them. Pastor Chris Long is our guest, and uh, I am uh, just humbled to have been asked to come down there and celebrate this, uh, you know, this great achievement with you on Veterans Day. And, uh, I want to talk about what you what it has taken to get here, Chris. Because you, you know we've talked about this before, and we know about the funding challenges, but there have been other things. Um, one would think that it should be just a pretty easy, you know, an easy thing to achieve to say. Of course, why would you not add Roosevelt's uh, you know DDA prayer to the World War II Memorial? I mean, it was inspirational. It was a huge part of what was you know uh, you know the victory and the saving of the world that that took place. Why would it be a why would there be obstacles? But there have been. It's something I would think could get done in a year, and it's taken eleven years, and there's still more delays you know that have happened. So. Can you talk about some of the obstacles and how you and Senator Portman and Congressman Johnson and uh, historian Bill Federer and others who have been a you know, big part of all of this, Chris, can you, can you talk about some of those obstacles and how you guys overcame them? That's a great point, Bob. And it does start with the importance and the work of a historian, Bill Federer of the American Minute. And you're going to have him on your program in the coming weeks to talk about this. But... You know, Bill has something called the American Minute. Every day in your inbox, in your email, he has a little um, story to tell about today in American history, dates in American history. Well, it was uh, some years ago, uh, obviously, I was a recipient of the American Minute, and I saw the D-Day prayer. It was June 6th. So I went ahead and Googled it, and, of course, you could still hear the audio of FDRs as he prayed the prayer with the nation on the day of the D-Day landings. And I thought, this is fantastic. Well, just about a year or two after that, I woke up one morning with an idea to my wife. I said, hey, I've got a, an idea. I'm going to ask Congressman Bill Johnson to offer legislation that will add FDR's D-Day prayer at the World War II Memorial. I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll get her started, and that's what we did. He said, I'd be honored. He was a newly elected uh, congressman from Ohio's 6th District back in 2011. And then Senator Portman called me and said, Chris, this is a great idea. I'd like to be your Senate sponsor. And so we were off and running. Well, we were getting the signatures of veterans and their family from across the country here in Ohio and Texas, California, other places. 
and uh, also lining up testimony to come forward in, in uh, Congress. We also worked with the American Legion, VFW Post, uh, across Ohio in the greater Akron, Cleveland area, uh, who signed the petition and, and encouraged us on. And basically some of these men at the time said, young man, get it done. <laughs> that was 11 years ago. I was a little younger than Bob. We got that commission from the greatest generation. You know, and there's been some sweat and tears through this thing, too, because it, at times as many of them would pass on, including my father, who's a World War II veteran of the Pacific Theater, you know, I just was exacerbated, and I, you know, and I just said, I, I don't know how to do this, you know. But the words would come back with encouragement, and I thought, I don't want to let these guys down. Well, the Lord would bring encouragement just about that time. So in 2014, it did pass Congress, miraculously, on the anniversary of the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Got a call from Senator Portman and his staff and said the Senator is going to offer a unanimous consent measure in the Senate. We thought earlier in the year the bill was dead because Barack Obama was, was reelected, and uh, actually his administration originally opposed it. Uh, but then uh, they turned tables, and uh, the Senate did unanimously uh, support the legislation, Senator Callback says I got monumental news, momentous news. It's passed by unanimous consent, which was great. Okay, so that needs all 100 senators. But that's impossible, really, <laughs> on this day and age. And then over to the Congress, only 12 no votes, and then President Obama uh, quietly signed it on June 30th of 2014. Then we were off and running. What were we doing? Well, it can't be paid for by tax dollars, but by private donations. So we met with the friends of the World War II Memorial, members of the Park Service, and we went down there, and we uh, were looking at site selection and design. So they kind of took us around, and I said, well, what about here down the steps? They said no. And I said, what about by the visitor center? They said no. And I'm thinking, well, what about this open space on the wall? Because we'd already looked at areas, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they, they turned us down on all that. Then they said, we have another place. And I thought, okay, here we go. They're going to put us on the back nine. And so we go through the Atlantic Arch, and we go to a place called the Circle Remembrance. Well, uh, they said this place is part of the World War II Memorial. It's, it's uh, set for a major upgrade, and we want the prayer to be the feature of this enhancement to the monument. And we thought, well, we're thrilled. So the, the challenging news with that, though, was it was going to cost 2 to $3 million for that upgrade of the Circle Remembrance with the prayer included. So, again, had to be by private donations, not by tax dollars. So we started the fundraising efforts. So did the Friends of the World War II Memorial. They were having difficulty. They were being turned down. No names, please, as they say. The announcer said, no names, please. A number of what you would think is faith-based organizations, companies across the country, turned us down, turned them down. And uh, we were doing little efforts and getting on some radio programs with Bill Fetter and Small donations would come in, and I, I got, got to tell you, the, the notes that came in from family and friends of veterans and veterans themselves and said, keep going, uh, get her done, and uh, that's what kept us going all along the way. Then there was a point um, a few years ago, I got a call from Holly Rotondia, the Friends of World War II Memorial, and said, Chris, we're running out of time. I said, excuse me? She said, we're running out of time. The Commemorative Works Act of adding anything to the mall in Washington you have to get it done within seven years. If it's not done by then, you got to go through Congress again. You know, Bob, there's no. I remember way. that. I remember that very well. I remember yeah. you talking. We were up against that, that deadline, and that was one of the reasons for one of the fundraisers that I was with you at down in Akron. Uh, and I remember that being a very, very pivotal moment uh, that we, you know, we were trying to impress upon people the importance of the the deadline here, so that we didn't have to start all over again. 
That's exactly right. We had two uh, D-Day veterans with us at that, that night as well, and thank you for being part of that wonderful evening in 2019. Uh, one of them has passed on. Mr. Miller went, uh, passed on. Uh, Jack is still with us. Uh, he's not able to make it to Washington, but he's still with us. But, you know, and we do still have some of these veterans, and we're hoping to get a handful of them with us on Veterans Day, by the way. But all that said, that's when I went to bed one night, and I said, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to raise that money. You know, it's at those times, Bob, when we've come to the end, when we can't do it, God will do it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Not at all, Chris. Not at all. Tell us, tell us how God stepped in. He just at that moment spoke to me and said, I will do it. Within six months, I got a call. Uh, actually, the senator's staff said, the senator is going to call you today. And at that moment, I broke down. Because I knew it was And both of, both of us were quite emotional. He called me that night and said, I want to tell you personally that the Lilly Endowment came forward with a $2 million grant. And all I could think about, Bob, was those veterans that we promised them we'd get it done. And so the prayer is under construction right now. The great news was this June, we were able to announce that construction begins in July. The temporary prayer plaque was there for three years. And now the prayer is going to be finalized in December. We're going to celebrate it on Veterans Day. And we're hoping to have some veterans, World War II veterans, there with us. I'm reading some of their books this summer. And, and you know, Bob, I love that you let Reagan slip because he was from that generation. And this is for their legacy and for their honor. And we hold on to that America that you and I grew up with, and the listeners grew up with. So it's going to be a great time in Washington to celebrate our veterans and to give glory to God. And if folks want to join us, uh, they could drive down, of course. The, the ceremony is going to be 1130. In fact, come early at 9 o'clock is going to be the World War II Memorial Veterans Day service at 9, and that will conclude at 10. We're going to start at 1130. That concludes, yes, at 10. We'll start at 1130. We'll have Senator Portman with us. We have a group of World War II reenactors, 30 in number. We're bringing our own small army with us, Bob. <laughs> it's called Crew 44. That's going to be and great. They're, they're going to be in their uh, fatigue, and they're also going to be in their Class A's. And this is a great uh, young men who keep the, the history alive. Melanie Miller will be with us in singing patriotic music. And uh, Bill Fetter, of course, will be leading in a war memorials tour that day. It's going to be a great time to be there. And... Uh, Folks won't regret it. There is, we do have a charter bus, and if you'd like to uh, be on that, you can click on our website. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Again, 
prayerproject.org. Go there, and then you'll see right at the top about the event on Veterans Day. You can also visit our website, Ohio Christian Alliance, and we'd like for you to be with us. If you're going to drive down and be there, just let us know that you're going to be there. And if you want to come on the charter bus, there's still some seats left, and we'd love for you to be with us. And the, the price, and that includes both the charter bus and the hotel stay, you'll go on the 10th, overnight that night and then all day the 11th and come back but we're going to have a great time together my friend and I, I didn't mean to get emotional but you know it's it's uh it's a promise come true and we're we're really thrilled and thankful well i'm thankful that you did get emotional uh, chris how can you not and how can how can anybody not really understand the the importance of this significance and the fact that God literally answered your prayers? You're 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 begging for an answer. You're admitting your own helplessness. I can't get this done. I don't know how to get this done. And God just stepped in and said, "Don't worry, I got this." Uh, how can you not get emotional? And I'm sure there's going to be some tears flowing, but also some laughter and some joy and some celebration of this uh, commemorative. Uh, addition to the to the memorial. I mean, as you said, this is this is a a, a testament to that generation, a testament to all of those who saved the world and um, who did so with the their faith in God strong. And and the fact that our president, you know, made that prayer and offered that prayer uh, at the time that he did is uh, as we went over and 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 liberated you know France or began the liberation of France and all of Europe uh, from that from that uh, horror of of Nazism. Uh, the fact that, that that prayer was offered just kind of underscores exactly what kind of a role our faith and what kind of a role God played in helping uh, those heroes uh, go out there and do what needed to be done. So I'm honored to be a part of it, Chris. I'll uh, continue. In fact, I posted already <clears throat> uh, the D-Day Prayer Edition celebration link on Ohio Christian Alliance on the Ohio... This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. Wow. This has been a, uh, a whopper of a show. Um, just just tremendous from start to finish. Thank you to Jess Brands who joined me from the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee. In uh, the first hour, thanks to Peter Kersenow who covered so much ground for us in the second hour. And, of course, thank you to Pastor Chris Long. Uh, for his dedication to this uh, Christian, uh, the, excuse me, from the Ohio Christian Alliance for, to this prayer project, the D-Day prayer project, to be added to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. So, yeah, I will be there on November 11th on Veterans Day. You can be as well if you would like to get a spot on that bus and a spot at the hotel where we'll all be staying. Um, you can do so. Just go, and I've got the links right now on the webpage. I've got the links to the Ohio Christian Alliance page and to the uh, D-Day Prayer Project page. They're available, easy, easily accessible at uh, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. I try to link to articles of the guests that I'm talking to that they, are, that they are, uh, have written or books or whatever it is on the From the Show section of the webpage. So if you go to uh, alwayswrite.us and look on the left side from the show. You'll see it in the third one down. Just in the order I just gave you. Just friends, then uh, Peter now, and then Pastor Chris Long, Ohio Christian Alliance. You'll see two links there, so either one of them will take you to the info you need to be there uh, on Veterans Day, uh, November 11th. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Hey, I want to um, make you... Oh, two things, actually. Um, 
A friend just texted me and said, hey, what's the promo code for the uh, uh, for the Battleground Talkers Tour on the 22nd, 11 days from today, uh, in at the IX Center? And they said, there is no promo code because the tickets are already paid for. So all you've got to do is go and register for those tickets at whkradio.com. They have hundreds of them are gone already. I don't know how many the, the building holds, but, uh, you know, the, the particular, uh, room in the building that we're going to have holds, but I know it's huge. And so we're trying to pack as many people in there as possible. Listen, there's a reason we're doing this. Um, it, we cannot win in November without rallying together and really, really generating support of people who don't know. We're going to educate them and teach them, and, and maybe that's you, or people who do know but need to know how to share it with others. We have to just, I mean, Every bit of energy we have has to, has got to be poured into these midterms, and that's what the 22nd is all about. And uh, it's so important that we have the event completely sponsored so we're able to pack the place at no charge to you. You understand that? No charge. That's how important it is for us to try to get you there, to get you energized, to get you excited, to get you educated about what you need to know uh, before November 8th or before you go and vote early at your uh, at your Board of Elections, however it is that you plan to do it, and to share the information with others. That's why we're bringing Brandon Tatum and Hugh Hewitt and Eric Metaxas to town, and that's why Peter Kersenow and I will join them on that stage. It is extraordinarily important, and that's the reason why we're not charging you anything to be there. We've got the price covered. We're sponsored. All you do is have to pay for parking, but be there. Go to whkradio.com. You don't need a promo code for this. You just go to the webpage and register for your tickets, and you will be all set. Now, having said that, I wanted to hit this, too. We are so excited. I tell you oftentimes about Citizens for Free Speech, which is the organization, nonprofit, that I work with and work for as the National Communications Director. We are so excited about the Free Speech Statesman. We are going old school and going to newspapers. Um, we continue to fight big tech censorship. We continue to fight being shut down by the Internet Goliaths in Silicon Valley. But you know what they can't stop us from doing? They can't stop us from communicating old school. And we have now started edition number one of the Free Speech Statesman is ready and available. It's a tabloid-style newspaper. And we are going to put one out uh, as frequently as we can right now. We're probably going to start out with one a quarter, maybe hopefully do it every other month after that, and then maybe once a month. Um, but it is just a tremendous way to reach Americans without being shut down, canceled, and censored by the big tech giants. So the free speech statesman is available right now. You can't buy an individual paper. We're selling them in bundles because we don't want you to just read it. We want you to share it. We want you to pass them out. So we're selling them in bundles of 25. It costs about a buck an issue, uh, or a, a paper. So for $25, you get a, pa- a package of 25 of them. And when you buy them, by the way, it's tax deductible because you're going toward this 501c3. And then we want you to share them. We want you to hand them out to people directly that you know. Take them to a meeting and hand them out. Leave them on the doorsteps of the people in your neighborhood. Put a stack in a place of business on a lunch counter that's a friendly, uh, you know, supportive person. And uh, leave them there for people to read during lunch. Uh, take them to your churches. Ask if you can put them on the corners of the, the ends of the pews. Um, recruit other distributors. We're asking you to buy a bundle. You are, there's a limit of four bundles right now. And get those in the hands of as many people as possible. You can get them at citizensforfreespeech.org. Just click the store tab at the top, citizensforfreespeech.org. 
Headline stories include the courageous story of the White Rose, decoding social media censorship, the Citizen Journal Challenge, Citizen Ninja Training, Propaganda. Uh, There's so much information we're going to pack into these pages. And we want you to read them, and we want you to distribute them. That's how activism works. So go to citizensforfreespeech.org and get your bundles and, and start passing those out. Thanks again to everyone for a great show today. I'm off the rest of the week. Uh, we're going to have our good friend Rob Walgate tomorrow. I will see you after the weekend. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.